Good evening and welcome to Late Night with Andy Merrigan. Tonight I'm going to read a short story to you that I've written called What's a Little War Between Friends? And then, of course, said Eddie, Gabby says this isn't a date either. Oh, geez, said Max. That's terrible. I know, said Eddie. So, there I was, all dressed up to the nines, for a date I didn't even want to go on, and I'd only dressed up because I didn't want her to see me arrive in everyday clothes, because then she'd know, instantly, that I wasn't interested in her. She's my friend. I wanted to let her down gently. That's what a friend should do. And now she thinks you're the one that was keen on her. Max shook his head. Max's fringe was longer than average and it fell down to his eyebrows. His hair was black. He absentmindedly flicked it back into place. He was always doing this. Eddie said, I look like an idiot. I mean, it's almost like she set me up just to make a fool out of me. I don't know about that, said Max. Gabby really doesn't seem like the kind of person that would do that sort of thing. No, but it felt like it. Whether or not she meant it, it felt like it. Anyway, so I told her that I was only dressed like that because I was on my way to a photo shoot for the Future Proof Workshop's website. Okay, said Max. Did she believe you? I don't know. She acted like she did, but... Eddie had stopped talking because the waitress had arrived with their coffees. Two large lattes, she said. Yes, thanks, said Eddie. The waitress placed the coffees on the table and Max suddenly recognised her. You were the violin player at the state hospitality function last week, weren't you? Yeah, she said, violinist. That was me. You guys were great, said Max. She smiled politely and thanked him for the compliment. Max started asking her about her music, as usual, asking her if she was playing anywhere else anytime soon, while the waitress began to promote her recital at the conservatorium, Eddie stopped paying attention. Eddie patiently gazed around the coffee shop. They were sitting outside in front of a cafe. They were sitting under a large white umbrella. Hanging within the umbrella were a few scattered plastic ferns. They were haphazardly placed. All of the three umbrellas out here had them. The poles of each umbrella were coiled with plastic vines. The vines had broad leaves. Max was wearing a white collared shirt beneath a thin red cotton jumper. Eddie had worn a puffy blue sweater with a high neck that held his head like an egg cup. Max pushed his fringe back into place once more. The tables were metal. They were round. They had round holes all over their tops in a pattern. The tables were painted white. The same white as the chunky pots that the umbrellas were standing in had been painted. These pots were filled with white stones. What sort of vines were those vines? Probably grapevines. And there hanging up there with those potted ferns once again. Above them, the white umbrella. 
The umbrella had a black oval printed on the top of it. Eddie could see this through the material because of the sunlight. The oval had the word Sal printed inside of it. From this point of view, the Sal was upside down. The coffee shop was called Sal. Eddie did not know why. The last coffee shop that he had formerly frequented, the one where he had met Gabby for the date that was not a date, was called From the Ground Up, which was obviously a pun referring to coffee grounds. Maybe Sal was the name of the person who ran this place. Probably not, because then it would be called Sal's, with an apostrophe and an S. Maybe Eddie would find out. He sipped the coffee. It was an acceptable replacement. The waitress left. You were saying, said Max. Hmm? Oh, uh, Eddie sat his coffee down and began again. Well, it turned out Gabby had asked me to meet her because she wanted to talk to me about last Saturday. Oh. Max pulled an uncomfortable expression. Yeah, but she didn't even talk to me about it. She just started... I don't know what you'd call it. I guess she thought she was rejecting me, but I mean, she just fully unleashed. It was like, it was like, like, like there was this sort of goblin that had been trapped inside of her, sitting in there all these years that we'd known each other, and, and I'd accidentally let the little thing out, and it just started spewing venom at me and tearing strips off of me. I mean, she starts telling me, and get this, get this, right? She starts telling me about the kinds of guys she's interested in, right? And she's saying he needs to be more, more full of life and, and more active, right? And, and more, more talented. Ouch, said Max. I know, Eddie exclaimed. I mean, she's basically just come right out and told me she thought I was fat, lazy, and hopeless. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I wasn't upset because she was quote-unquote rejecting me because I wasn't ever interested in her in the first place. But just, just, just to hear what she really actually thought about me. Just to hear that. I mean, I was, I was insulted. Really, actually insulted. And then, oh, and then, what? Then, just to put the icing on the cake, what? Then she says to me, she says to me, she says, she likes guys who have long hair. No, I know. Oh, I can't believe she said that. And to you, she did, she did. And I mean, right? I mean, that's, that's, it's essentially racism, right? Max suddenly stopped. Halted by confusion. Uh, he said, how, how so? Because it's my genes. I was born this way. I can't do anything about it. Max looked at Eddie's head. You were born like that? Yeah. Okay, but I mean, racism? Come on, racism? The worst part is, I didn't need to hear any of it, nor did I ask for it. I was going there to tell her I wasn't interested in her. I was going to let her down gently. But that, that, what she did, let me tell you, there was nothing, nothing gentle about that. Well, what did you do? Eddie shrugged and sat back in his chair. Well, I mean, what could I do? I just... Listened, listened to it all, and, and then, when it was over, I, I tried to salvage our friendship. I said, 
I said, thank you. Thank you for your opinions. And then I said that, that we, we were both there for the same reasons. And I said, I only ever wanted to be friends with her. And she, well, she only ever wanted to be friends with me. So let's, let's just do that. Let's just part ways as friends. Okay. Max nodded as if he thought Eddie had done a perfectly reasonable thing. Yeah. Eddie nodded as if he too thought he had done a perfectly reasonable thing. And so, said Max, the two of you haven't spoken since. Not a word, said Eddie. They sat in silence. I just don't know where I'm meant to go, said Eddie. It sort of just, just ruined everything. I'm sure things will work themselves out, volunteered Max, unhelpfully. I don't know, Max sighed. Everything is just so, so messy now. I just, I just hope she hasn't made everything awkward for all the other people around us. No, no, everything, everything is fine. It's fine. You don't need to worry about that. Well, I mean, not with me anyway. I, I don't feel awkward. I don't feel awkward at all. That's good, said Eddie. I'm glad I don't make you feel awkward. I just hope that Gabby does the same. I hope that Gabby doesn't make things awkward. I'd hate for Gabby to make people think that they have to choose sides. I'd hate for that to happen too, said Max. There's nothing worse than a war between friends. And it would really put me on the spot, you know? I mean, I'm still just the new guy around here. Everyone else, obviously, already knows who they are closer to. But I'm... I'm just as close to both of you. To you. And to Gabby. And if I, if I had to choose sides, well, I mean, how do I know which side to choose? I mean, how do I know what other friendships it would mess with, you know? Personally, I thought you and Gabby were great together. As friends. And... And maybe this is a little selfish of me. But I really hope that you, and her, sort this out, and that things go back to normal, pretty soon. I hope so too, said Eddie. I really hope so too. I sat in silence once more. Max moved his fringe back into place again. Oh, by the way, said Eddie, I just remembered. I've got something for you. Eddie's satchel bag was hanging over his chair. He pulled his bag up and rummaged through his things. Then he drew out an object, holding it tightly in his hand. Here, he said, and he held it out to Max. It was a medium-sized tub of men's hair product. Max didn't take it. Oh, said Max. No thanks. I'm good. Eddie kept holding it out to Max. It's a tub of handsome man hair wax. It's a deluxe hair wax that gives an extra smooth lift. I want you to have it. Max didn't take it. Eddie kept holding it out to Max. Obviously, he said, I can't use it. Don't, said Max. Don't start making things awkward. You shouldn't feel you need to start buying people gifts. Oh, I, I didn't buy it, said Eddie. It, uh, it was given to me. For free. I was sent, it was sent to me as a free sample from a website. 
Obviously, the Handsome Man Hair Wax Company has no idea that I'm bald, but I didn't want to just throw it away. It's a perfectly good product. I mean, it sounds like it's really good. Eddie retracted the hair wax so that he could read the tub's copy. Do it your way. Live with control and confidence. Wind tunnel tested. This water-resistant wax delivers the smoothness and shine that you, he indicated towards Max here, want. If you, he indicated at Max again, want style that lasts until your, again, next shampoo, then wow! This is the product for you. With this, he held out the tub towards Max once more. Dude, said Max. You are being so awkward right now. I am not being awkward, said Eddie. I am trying to change the subject. You're trying to change the subject. Yes, said Eddie. We were talking about about something awkward, and now, now we are talking about this. Eddie firmly placed the tub of handsome man hair wax directly in the center of the table. You're changing the subject to hair wax. Yes. I have nothing to say on the subject of hair wax. I don't use hair wax. Oh. Eddie gave up. He shrugged. Well, do you want it or not? It's either you or the bin. Max picked up the hair wax. Max read the label. Eventually, Max said, I don't get it. Get what, said Eddie. Who on earth thinks hair wax is a good bribe? It's not a bribe. I mean, I know we haven't really gotten to know each other like brothers, but you would think by now that you know a little bit more about me than I've got hair. Give it back. No, I want it now. Give it back. I'm throwing it in the bin. No, no, I want it. It's got, it's got. Max read the label and deliberately mumbled, vinyl caprolactam in it. I want it. Eddie smiled and let Max keep the tub. Max put the tub of wax on the table and said, Are you going tonight? Eddie shrugged and said, Yeah. Max added, Gabby's going to be there. Eddie threw up his arms. I changed the subject. They sat in silence again. Then Eddie said, It's fine. Everything is fine. We, we're friends. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Nothing is going to happen. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Max sighed. Max picked up the hair wax again. Eddie watched Max carefully. Max opened the tub. Max smelled the product inside. That night, the Central Industries Museum function hall was on the museum's lowest floor, so it had a feeling of being underground. However, in a modern renovation, the ceilings had been removed from each floor between the museum's function hall and the museum's roof, three floors above. Therefore, this was a massive open space three stories high. The hall had a jewel feeling of depth and of loftiness. There were three floors of museum above them. There were balconies overlooking the function hall along the hall's inner sides. Each balcony led to a maze of rooms and exhibitions that one could pleasantly get lost in for hours up there. Eddie and Max were thoroughly distracted, 
discussing this space as the two of them collected their name tags for the International Communities at Night's annual conference check-in table. The acoustics in here are great, said Max. Max was wearing a suit everywhere except upon his legs. He had blue jeans on. Eddie was wearing a suit everywhere except for his upper body. He was wearing a leather jacket. I'm going to have a chat with a musician, said Max. These musicians were still setting up. Eddie nodded, and Max wandered over to them. Eddie wanted to take the opportunity to do some exploratory reconnaissance. He casually circled the large round tables that sat nine people at each table, facing the people in all directions. Eddie was reading the place cards as he spiralled slowly around the room. He stopped. He was looking at a place card that read, Gabby Cadlebeck. He acted naturally. He began to circumnavigate the table until he reached the place card once again. Gabby Cadlebeck. So, Eddie's place card was not at this table. Eddie was not seated at the same table as Gabby. Where was Eddie seated? He kept spiralling the room, looking for his own name. Not this table either. Nor this one. Ah, here are some more names that he recognised. So, their team had two tables. Each of them next to each other. Eddie began to circumnavigate this other table until he reached a place card that read, Eddie Collins. So, there it was. He was not sitting at the same table as Gabby. He was sitting here, and she was sitting... Oh. Oh. She's going to be sitting right there, right where Eddie would spend all night looking. And he was sitting right here, right where Gabby would spend all night looking. Yes, they were seated face to face, but they were not seated at the same table. Eddie still had time to fix this. The growing crowd was full of strangers. Nobody else was here yet. Eddie walked back over to the check-in table. He approached the woman who was standing there. She was by herself. Good. No witnesses. The woman had the sort of long black hair that had a lot of volume to it. This, coupled with her high-necked undershirt, which was also black, created a frame that was formed around her face, which was decorated horizontally by a pair of downplayed black-framed glasses. Over her black undershirt was a black matte dress that held her torso tightly, but then it went outwards from her waist, out to midway down her shins. Her black stockings, and black shoes with them, gave her the appearance of gliding. Over this entire personality of rich dark chocolate, she wore a wrapper, a coat of scarlet that hung open. It came down her sides, perfectly hugging the dress's volume leaving a few inches of black frill at the bottom exposed. Hello, Eddie got her attention. Hello, the woman turned to him. Her voice was very pleasant, like a person's voice becomes after they've spent some time working in customer service. I was wondering, said Eddie, and I, I know that this is a bother, and it's probably not allowed. The woman looked intrigued by this introduction to a conversation. Eddie continued, but I was wondering, if it's no trouble, if maybe, possibly, I could change where I've been seated. Oh, the woman seemed a little bit disappointed. Well, she said, 
I believe they do allow for switch seating, but I'm afraid you'll have to come back later. You see, it's just that Eddie had interrupted her. The only other person that I want to swap with, they haven't arrived yet. And, well, if we did it now, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know we've switched seats. And it could be, it could be just between you and me. Our little secret. The woman looked at Eddie curiously. She tapped her finger on the table three times. And then she said, Our little secret. Yes, said Eddie. Our little secret. Well, the woman's eyebrows flicked up, then down. I do like secrets. But it's just... It's just too bad, you see. Because of the finance minister's assassination here last week, we're very strict upon who we let sit where. Very strict, you understand. It's important that we keep any would-be murderers at bay. Oh, I... Eddie's engine stalled. I'm sorry. Did you say murderers? Yes. Assassination? Yes. Was somebody murdered here last week? How should I know, said the woman. I don't work here. A... Eddie's engine stopped completely. He blinked three times as his brain got itself going once more. You don't... No, she said, I don't. Oh, said Eddie. Oh. I'm... I'm terribly sorry. I thought... I thought... Because you're the only person standing. I was just here trying to sign in. I'm looking for my name tag. Can you tell me... Why is it that every time I get to the front of a queue, the person behind the counter just suddenly has something terribly important to do out the back? Yes, said Eddie, as if he were wrapping up this erroneous interaction as quickly as possible. I hate it when that happens. Well, then, at this point, Eddie could very well have put this conversation to bed and then gone to look for another solution to his eminent problem before it was too late. But instead... He found himself saying, Maybe... Maybe I can help you find it. What's... What's your name? Arnica, said Arnica. Arnica Long. Arnica Long, said Eddie. Yep, said Arnica. You're Arnica Long, said Eddie. Yep, said the woman who was Arnica Long. I'm Eddie Collins. Eddie Collins, said Arnica. Yep, said Eddie, as if he had just performed a card trick. You're Eddie Collins. Yep, said Eddie. He couldn't help himself but smile as Arnica's framed face began to reveal their tickled realisation. She began to laugh. It was a warm, sweet and infectious laugh. Eddie found himself laughing with her. Well, said Arnica, she extended her hand. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. Likewise, said Eddie. He was still smiling as he shook her hand. Let's... let's find that miscreant name tag, shall we? You know, said Arnica, as Eddie searched, I'd only just emailed you an hour ago. I like your proposals for that quarterly goal of finding the hospitality industry's equivalent of the purchasing from local producers campaign, but I just found a few... a few bibs and bobs that needed a little tweaking. Oh, said Eddie. You weren't happy with my bibs? Oh, no. No, no, no. Your bibs, your bibs are fine. I just, I just wanted to tweak them. Just a little. Here's your name tag, said Eddie. It had fallen over. He turned to Arnica with the name tag in his hand. And what about my bobs, he said. Oh, your bobs. Your bobs are fine too. I just, Eddie moved in close to Arnica. She parted her scarlet wrapper to expose her dark chocolate core. Eddie pinned the name tag upon her dress. 
His face was almost inside Arnica's black frame. I just thought, she said, maybe you, maybe you, you wanted me to tweak them just a little bit as well. With the name tag in place, Eddie withdrew. Come on, he said, we're sitting over here. As Eddie and Arnica crossed the room, Max had finished talking with the musicians, but he had not returned to Eddie. Max was, instead, talking to three other men. They were three men that Eddie did not know very well, but he knew them. He had met them once before, through Gabby. Max seemed to be thoroughly enjoying their conversation. Here's your seat here, said Eddie. He pulled the chair out for Arnica, but she hesitated. Instead of taking the gesture, she asked, Where... Where are you sitting? I'm right here, said Eddie, indicating his place card. I'm sitting right next to you. Max was shaking hands with one of Gabby's friends, and he was laughing while he was doing it. Well, that's good, said Arnica, but then... She suddenly crinkled her forehead. Wait, she said. That's not... That's not why you wanted to change seats, is it? Hmm? Oh, oh no. No, no, no. Of course not. Of course not. I was, uh, I was, I was, uh, I, uh, I... Annika placed her hand gently upon Eddie's arm and said, Relax, Eddie. Relax. I'm only joking with you. Eddie looked at the hand resting upon his arm. Annika's fingers were small and rounded and soft. Eddie looked into Arnica's eyes. Her smile was welcoming and playful. Eddie felt as though her hand was slowly unwinding a tight violin string that he'd previously had no idea was inside of him, and it was being turned down, down, becoming looser and looser. Here, said Arnica. You can swap seats with me, if you'd like, and you don't have to tell me why. You don't have to explain anything, if you don't want to. Okay, said Eddie. I'd... I'd like that. Eddie picked up his place card. Annika picked up hers. She held her place card out to Eddie. Eddie held out his place card to her. They both took each other's place cards. Eddie was holding a place card that had the words Arnica Long printed upon it. Arnica was holding a place card that had the words Eddie Collins printed upon it. Arnica put the place card down in the place where her place card had previously been. There, she said. All yours. Eddie smiled, and then he did the same. All yours. There was a pause between them, and then Eddie realised that the two of them would need to exchange places. He said, oh, and motioned with his hand in a spiral fashion. Oh yes, said Arnica, and the two of them did a little dance, until they were standing next to their new seats. Ah, said Eddie, would you, would you like to sit down? Actually, said Arnica, looking around the hall, I don't think it's time to sit down just yet. We still have ages to kill. Why don't we... Why don't we go chat and mingle? 
There's some other people I'm going to meet for the first time here tonight, too. I was hoping maybe, maybe you could introduce me to them. Sure, said Eddie, feeling more than a touch of ownership and responsibility. I'd like that. Great, said Annika. I meant to meet a woman named Gabby Cadlebeck. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't want to make a fool out of myself. We're meant to be working on the diversity inclusion consultancy plan together, and it would be just terrible to get her name wrong. No, said Eddie. His shoulders had contracted themselves tightly. You got it right. It's pronounced Cadlebeck. Max, with the three men, who were Gabby's friends, had been joined by a fourth man. Max and this fourth man both had their phones out. They were tapping their screens as they talked. Then, Max held out his phone so that the fourth man could see his screen. The fourth man did the same. They both nodded, smiling, then locked their phones and put them away as they continued talking. Happily. Gabby. Cad. Lou. Beck. Said Arnica. Yes, said Eddie. He drew in a deep breath. Then he let it out. Anyway, he said, about our version of the purchasing from local producers campaign, I was thinking that it would be better to include you on a much more hands-on basis. I mean, emailing one another is well and good, but it obviously doesn't compare to the two of us being in the same room as each other, working one-on-one. That's true, said Arnica, and I would like that. But this alternative is your project. I mean, it's your baby, and I'd hate to be treading on anybody's toes. Eddie laughed. Ha, it's funny you should say that. I I have a poster hanging in my office that I had made up. It says, if you want to teach people how to dance, you have to first let them tread upon your toes. Ha, said Annika. Really? I like that. I might use it. Where did you get the quote from? You know, I have no idea. I may have made it up, or I probably saw it on the, it online once. Everything is online. That's true. Feel free to use it, if you want to. I could even... Yeah! I can have a copy of the poster made up for you, if you'd like. As a gift. Oh no, that's fine. You don't have to go to all that trouble. It's no trouble. I just have to press print. Well... I'd love to work with you, but I'm nowhere near up to speed on any of it. I've only ever read the parts you've emailed me. Well, I could easily fix that. I could email you the rest of the... Actually, Eddie stopped. He put his hands in his pockets. With a loud jangle, he pulled out his keys. I have them all on this thumb drive, he exclaimed. Attached to Eddie's keys was a thumb drive in the shape of a penguin. I couldn't take that, said Annika. That's your personal thumb drive. Nonsense, said Eddie, and he began to concentrate on the tiny hole at the top of the penguin's head. Really, Arnica, email is fine. Almost got it, said Eddie. He couldn't get the keyring to part far enough to start unthreading the penguin. He struggled to get his thumbnail in between the metal. Oh, said Arnica. You could just put it in a share folder and send me the link. I've got it now, said Eddie. The penguin started to thread. His keys jangled loudly as he turned the ring around and around. The penguin popped loose and came away in Eddie's hand. He held it out to Arnica. Here, he said, looking up from the penguin to Arnica. However, over Arnica's shoulder, Eddie saw, walking through the door, Gabby's blonde hair was tied back in the tightest possible ponytail so that her hair was flat against her head. 
She was wearing a matching blue jacket and pants with a purple and pink silk floral button blouse. Her high heels accentuated her tall, slender legs. They were a touch proportionately long for her torso. In high heels, even more so. Walking behind Gabby was James. James's hair was long, blonde, and tied up in a messy man bun. Eddie knew that Gabby and James were spending a lot more time together ever since Eddie's absence had created a vacuum that needed filling. James was wearing a black suit. His tie was blue. The same shade of blue as Gabby's suit. Gabby approached the check-in table. Her head turned and she began to scan the impressive room to admire it. She was also observing who else was already here. As her eyes flicked to look in Eddie's direction, he realised he'd been staring at her and he blinked and was instantly looking at Arnica once more. The eye contact had been avoided. He's a very cute little fellow, said Arnica, looking in Eddie's palm. Isn't he? Eddie had almost forgotten the penguin that was lying there, cheerfully smiling in the palm of his hand. Eddie blinked, and he was instantly looking at Gabby again, who had also blinked at the same time, and was now looking at James. Had Gabby been looking at Eddie? Of course she had. No doubt about it. Eddie blinked. He was looking back at Arnica. He urged his eyes to resist being drawn in Gabby's direction. Yes, said Arnica, and... Yes, said Eddie, and... He's very friendly. I only just checked him for viruses this morning. I can't possibly take it, said Arnica. Eddie picked up the penguin with his other hand. He made it walk around his palm. Then he made it appear to notice Arnica was there, and, with interest, it headed in Arnica's direction. Eddie moved his palm over toward her as if his hand were an iceberg floating across the ocean. The penguin had now reached the tips of Eddie's fingers. It could walk no further. Eddie took his hand, the one that was moving the penguin, away, and the penguin was now standing there on the edge of a finger cliff. I want you to have it, said Eddie. Think of it as... Think of it as a favour between friends. A favour, said Arnica. But then I'd owe you a favour. Gabby had finished at the check-in table, and now she turned towards the room. Eddie watched Gabby from the corner of his eye. She began to walk toward him. Her slender legs carried her through the wide circular tables, turning this way and that, closer and closer. Here we go, Eddie. Get ready for it. You and Gabby are about to engage. Suddenly, she turned and changed direction, acting as though something over there had caught her attention, and then she crossed the room sideways and then said, Hello. She said, Hello. To Max. And it was more than just hello. They were saying more words than just hello. Many more words. And now Max was laughing. Eddie looked back at his penguin. His hand had started to shake from holding it out for so long. The little penguin began to rock, losing his balance. No, no, said Eddie. Of course not. I wouldn't expect any favours in in return. I'd, I'd never expect that. Arnica saved the penguin's life from Eddie's perilous fingertips. Oop, she said. Nearly dropped it. Then she laughed awkwardly. <laughs> the penguin was now in Arnica's small and rounded and soft fingers. Arnica wiggled it around. Then she said, Well, thank you. 
I'll get back to you as soon as I can. She put the penguin into her jacket pocket. Oh, ah, uh, said Eddie. He, uh, he likes his eggs sunny side up. Annika looked confused. Uh, just, uh, if you're wondering when, uh, in the morning, uh, when you're going to feed him breakfast. Oh, said Annika. She pretended to laugh, and then she said, I get it. It suddenly dawned on Eddie that he had, inadvertently, promised Annika that he would introduce her to Gabby, and that the time upon which that promise was to be fulfilled had now definitely arrived. There was Gabby, right now, over there, talking to Max, and here was Annika, right here, in front of him, and all he had to do was say, Well, there's Gabby now, like he'd done a thousand million times before. Let's go and I'll introduce you. And then he'd walk up to Gabby and say, Hello, just like he'd done a thousand million times before, without thinking about it. He'd just walk up to his friend as if it were as natural as just breathing. But now, now, he couldn't just breathe. But he'd promise Annika that he would. He would breathe. She was the perfect excuse to release this breath. Annika was his way back to oxygen once more. Well, said Eddie. I need to go to the bathroom. Then he shuffled quickly in the direction of the toilets. As he navigated the circular tables, he looked across the room and saw that while Max was talking, he had also been watching Eddie. Eddie was still watching. Max was still watching Eddie, and his mouth was still moving. As Eddie and Max's eyes met, Max nodded at Eddie. His mouth continued to move. Gabby, unconsciously, seeing the nod, with human instinct at work, began to turn her head around to see what Max had nodded at. Her head was turning slowly, slowly. Eddie circled the table faster, faster. Gabby's eyes were traveling across the room, closer, closer. Eddie shoved his way in through the bathroom door. Eddie stood for a while in front of the urinal, but he was not using it. He zipped up his fly. He walked over to one of the three sinks. He waved his hand in front of the motion sensor, and the water began to flow. Eddie pushed on the soap dispenser three times, and the palm of his left hand filled with soap. Eddie washed his hands until the timer of the tap ran out. Eddie walked over to the hand dryer. He waved his right hand in front of the motion sensor, and the air began to blow. Eddie dried his hands until the timer of the dryer ran out. Eddie put his right hand into his right jacket pocket. Eddie pulled out of his pocket a roll-on deodorant stick. Eddie walked back over to the three sinks. He placed the roll-on deodorant stick between two of the three sinks. Eddie removed his jacket. Eddie crumpled his jacket. He placed his jacket between the two of his two knees. He picked up the deodorant stick. He attempted to take the deodorant stick's lid off, but he did not succeed. Eddie looked at the deodorant stick. There was a ring of near-invisible plastic around it, sealing the lid. With his thumbnail, Eddie struggled to find the perforation in the plastic, but he did not succeed. He kept trying to find the perforation in the plastic. He found the perforation in the plastic. He flicked at the perforation in the plastic with his thumbnail in order to find some give, but he did not succeed. 
He kept trying to find some give in the perforation in the plastic. The perforation in the plastic eventually gave. Eddie used the small piece of purchase in the perforation in the plastic to tear the entire plastic ring from the deodorant stick, but he did not succeed. The plastic ring split two-thirds of the way down, and Eddie had only gotten rid of some of it. He kept trying to tear the remaining plastic ring from the deodorant stick. This time, all of the plastic ring from the deodorant stick was removed. Eddie placed this plastic garbage between two of the three sinks. Eddie popped the lid off the deodorant stick. He placed the lid of the deodorant stick between two of the three sinks next to the plastic garbage. Then, in the palm of his left hand, the ball of the deodorant stick rolled firmly as Eddie pushed it around, letting the ball pick up the liquid scent inside. Eddie smelt the palm of his left hand. Then, Eddie shrugged. It smelt okay. Eddie placed the deodorant stick between two of the three sinks, next to the deodorant stick's lid, and next to the plastic garbage. He waved his right hand in front of the motion sensor, and the water began to flow. Eddie pushed on the soap dispenser three times, and the palm of his left hand filled with soap. Eddie washed the palm of his left hand until the timer of the tap ran out. Eddie smelt the palm of his left hand. Then, Eddie shrugged. It smelt okay. With his jacket held tightly between the two of his two knees, Eddie shuffled over to the hand dryer. He waved his right hand in front of the motion sensor, and the air began to blow. Eddie dried his hands until the timer of the dryer ran out. Eddie shuffled back over to the three sinks, with his jacket held tightly between the two of his two knees. Eddie untucked his shirt from his pants. With his right hand, Eddie took the deodorant stick from between two of the three sinks. He put his right hand holding the deodorant stick up through the bottom of his shirt. Eddie's right forearm pushed his shirt up, crumpling it until it was bunched up, exposing his belly button. Then, the pit of his left arm, the ball of deodorant stick rolled firmly as Eddie pushed it around, letting the ball deposit the liquid scent from inside. Then, the bathroom door opened. The sound of the crowd echoing around the hall, which had great acoustics, spilled into the bathroom. In the mirror, Eddie watched as James walked into the bathroom, fixing his blue tie. James was quick marching towards the urinals, but he was halted the very instant that he noticed that Eddie was also in here and that Eddie was, most definitely, doing something weird. Hi, James, said Eddie, frozen in place. The ball of the urine stick was still deep in his armpit. The full depth of Eddie's belly button was still fully exposed. James did not say anything. James just stared at Eddie. Deodorant, said Eddie, frozen in place. Okay, said James. Bit of an odd time to be using deodorant. I, uh, I just felt like I needed a top up. Okay, said James. Then his forehead crinkled and he said, Bit of a weird place to even have deodorant. Who brings deodorant with them to a night out? Well, funny story, said Eddie. I, uh, I, well, 
I'd done my, my groceries earlier today. The ball of deodorant stick was still deep in his armpit. And when I, when I got home and unpacked my groceries, I realized, Eddie laughed here, very fake, I realized I'd forgotten to buy deodorant. Eddie laughed again, trying to invite James into the mirth of the story. Don't you hate that when it happens? James didn't answer. Anyway, Eddie continued, I, uh, on, on the way here, I, uh, I just so happened to be walking past a, a, another, Eddie had forgotten the word supermarket, uh, a, uh, supermarket, he'd remembered it, supermarket, and I thought, I thought I might as well just pop in and pick some up, you know, while, while I'm here, and then, and then, well, I was in here, and I, I just figured, well, why not, why not just put some on now? Right, said James, and he walked over to the urinals. Eddie breathed deeply, repetitively. His fully exposed belly button moved in and out. Eddie knew, without a doubt, that this weird story was not going to be remaining within this bathroom for very long. Behind James's back, Eddie quickly moved the deodorant stick from one hand into his other. Then, up the shirt, he worked it into his other armpit. Then, he stopped moving again. Uh, James, he said, no answer. I was thinking, the two of us, we don't really know each other that well. And, well, we're two guys in the, in the same group of friends. And I was thinking, you and I... We should hang out more, get to know each other a little better. So, I was thinking, maybe we could go grab a beer and a burger one day, you know, at the pub. My shout. Yeah, cool, man, said James. Just not next Friday night. Gabby's taking everyone out for cocktails and seafood at the Skyview Night View. Is she, said Eddie. It was not a question. Eddie grabbed the lid from between two of the three sinks. He quickly screwed it onto the stick. He pulled his jacket up from between the two of his two knees, and he pushed the stick deeply inside the inside jacket pocket. He draped the jacket over his left arm, just as James was turning around. Well, said Eddie, I guess I'll talk to you outside. See ya. Leaving the bathroom, Eddie instantly noticed that nobody was standing at his table anymore. He scanned the room and found where Arnica had gone. It appeared as though either she or Gabby had taken the initiative and they had already been introduced to one, introduced to one another without Eddie's assistance. With his opportunity to engage squandered, Eddie walked over to his table alone and he hung his jacket over the back of his chair. James came out of the bathroom. In hindsight, if Eddie had known Arnica wasn't still out here waiting for him, Eddie could have used his chance encounter with James as his way in. Then, instead of James walking across this room by himself, weaving in and out of the round tables, it would have been James with Eddie. The two of them crossing over the room. The two of them approaching the group together, and together the two of them joining the others, and together with James, saying hello to Gabby. Eddie was now looking directly at Gabby. Gabby was now looking directly 
at Eddie. Gabby and Eddie were both now looking directly at each other, directly into each other's eyes. It was undeniable now, whatever it was that they were denying, for they had now definitely seen each other, seeing each other. Eddie was the first to look away. He was looking at his place card, but he was not reading its words. There was nowhere left for him to go. He imagined walking over and joining the group, but how would he justify himself? Oh, Gabby, hi. I didn't see you there. He imagined sitting down in his seat. But when the others came to sit with him, how would he justify himself then? Oh, I just wanted to sit down for a minute. I wasn't avoiding anyone. There's no problem. I'm fine. He imagined walking up to the bar and getting a drink. That could be a solution. That could be how he justifies everything. I was just, well, first I was meeting Annika, and then I needed the bathroom, and then I put my jacket down, and then I wanted to grab a drink. That's why it took me so long to say hello to you. Yes. But then, then he would actually have to go and say hello to her. Well, Maybe he could go up to Max and say hello. He could even bring Max a drink too. Yes, and that would help his story. He could even take Arnica a drink. Yes, he could go up to Arnica and say hello. She looks like she likes red wine. Yes, yes. Eddie had two perfectly good openings available to him, both of them good alternatives to directly engaging with Gabby. All he had to do was take one of them. He imagined picking up his jacket, turning towards the exit, and just walking out of the door, walking out of the museum, and going home. He shouldn't have come. Just go. But how would he justify that to everyone? Well, he wouldn't. He just wouldn't ever speak to them ever, any of them ever again. Then he would never have to justify himself ever, ever again. But Arnica... Annika had his penguin. Annika would email him. She doesn't know about any of this stuff. And she would ask him why he left. And then how... How would he justify... Suddenly, a hand was placed gently upon Eddie's arm. Eddie looked at the hand resting upon his arm. The fingers were small. And rounded. And soft. Eddie looked up into her eyes. Hello, said Gabby. We need to talk. Let's go outside. Gabby and Eddie walked through the function centre's doors. They walked over to an escalator. They rode up in silence. They were the only people going up, while on the other side of the escalator, people were descending and chatting and laughing. Gabby and Eddie rose up and reached the top of the escalator. They were in the museum's long, wide entrance hall, which was moving with a river of people flowing towards the function centre below. To the sides of this entrance hall were the passageways that led to the maze of museums branching off in all directions. Gabby looked at each of these dark passages, judging them inappropriate for their discussion, until she was looking back in the direction they had come, looking at the escalators once more. Then she spotted something and began heading with her long, determined legs in that direction. Eddie followed her. 
Gabby had found a little private pocket of the museum. It was around the side of the balcony that was overlooking the function centre. It was past a wide entrance that led into the museum. Around a wall, there was this strange closed-off area. It contained an abnormal flight of stairs. When the museum had been built, these stairs would have been inside a stairwell. But when the renovations had taken place, those renovations that had removed each of the ceilings above the function centre one by one from the original floors of the building, the renovators had sliced off one of the walls of this stairwell. This left an area about three metres by three metres open overlooking the function centre. And with its small original doorway, with the door removed, it was narrowly linked to the balcony. They approached. The area had been painted white to convert it into a small gallery. In this gallery were hung a series of paper artefacts. From one side of the gallery, the stairs jutted up, then cut across just above the head because of the landing, and then the stairs continued in the opposite direction to the floor above. Hence, the ceiling of this gallery was first an odd diagonal, then it was a low flat area, and then it was a diagonal area again. The artefacts on the wall guided the viewer in from the door around the wall until the viewer was secluded behind the flight of stairs. Gabby moved into this depth. Eddie hesitated, and he stood next to the stairs, and he looked out through the removed wall at the function centre below. It was massive and spread out. It was filled with black discs of tables, each with perfectly spaced plates and napkins around their circular shapes. It was a spectacle but Eddie couldn't appreciate it now. He moved into the pocket behind the stairs and joined Gabby in her privacy. I thought, she faltered. Eddie waited. I thought, she tried again. I thought we parted on good terms. We did, said Eddie. Obviously we didn't, said Gabby. You haven't spoken to me since, and I know what it means when somebody stops talking to you. It means they hate you. I don't hate you, said Eddie. I just... I just wanted to give you some space, that's all. You wanted to give me space? Yes, I... I wanted to give you space. Things... Things got weird, so I... I thought... I thought it would be best to give you some... You wanted to give me space, so... You... You haven't been avoiding me. And you... You weren't just avoiding me. Here. Now. Inside. Just now, you weren't avoiding me. You were giving me space. That's what you were doing. Eddie didn't answer. Gabby continued. You didn't even say hello to me. You didn't even acknowledge my existence. That's not what people do when they're giving you space. That's what people do when they are avoiding you. That's what people do when they hate you. I don't hate you. And you, you didn't say hello to me either. Yes, I did said Gabby. I was the one who did say hello. Was I not? Did I not just walk up to you just now and say hello? I said hello. I was the one who said hello. I mean, Eddie got frustrated. You know what I mean. I mean, when you first got here, you didn't, you didn't, you would normally, it would normally have been me you would have walked up to first. 
When I first got here, I didn't walk up to you because I thought you were avoiding me and I thought you hated me. And when I got here and you wouldn't even look at me, I didn't just think those things anymore. I knew them. I knew them. I knew you were avoiding me and I knew that you hated me. That's why I... I don't hate you, Gabby. I don't hate you. Why do you keep saying that? Why would I ever, ever hate you? Because, she faltered, Eddie waited. Because, she tried again. You, you hate me because, because I broke your heart. Eddie blinked three times. Then he said, what are you talking about? I'm talking about, I called you. I, I asked you if we could meet, meet for coffee because I wanted to. I wanted to talk about about what you did last Saturday and 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 you show up and you thought you thought I'd asked you there on a date and and I rejected you and and I broke your heart and now you won't talk to me and now you're avoiding me and and now you hate me Gabby Eddie held his hands out to her, showing his palms to her. You didn't break my heart. I didn't think it was a date. At all. I told you. I told you. I was only dressed like that because of the photo shoot for the Future Proof Workshop's website. Oh, said Gabby. Oh, yes. Yes. I remember. You did tell me that didn't you? So how did... How did the photo shoot go? Fine. Fine. It was good. It... It was good. I... Well, I don't know when they'll upload the pictures, but Max told me there was no photo shoot. Eddie stood in stunned silence. He was looking into Gabby's eyes, one by one. Left. Right. Left. Gabby raised her eyebrows. Fine, said Eddie. Fine. When... When you called me for... For coffee. I did. I did think. I thought... I thought you'd... I thought maybe you had... Had some... I thought maybe you'd had some time to... To think about, you know, what... What had happened last Saturday and and I and I dressed like that just in case just in case that was what was happening. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't I can't believe you lied to me, said Gabby. I can't believe you lied to me. Well what did you want me to do? Gabby? What did you want me to do? It was just just all so so embarrassing. What did I want you to do? What did I want you to do? I never wanted you to do any of this, Eddie. I never wanted you to do any of this, especially not, not what you did last Saturday. There was nothing wrong with what I did last Saturday. Ha! Gabby exclaimed. Really? Really, Edward Collins? Really? Gabby put her hands on her hips. Nothing wrong with it. Really? 
All I did was, where do you get off, Edward Collins? Where do you get off trapping a poor woman like that? That's not what, springing yourself upon a poor defenseless woman like that, that's not what happened, isn't it? Isn't it? You, you had me all alone. You had me in the, in the dark. You had me unable to, unable to leave. And then you, and then you, Gabby, I took you to a cinema. A cinema, Gabby, a cinema. I took you to see a movie. That's where people go when they go on dates. I mean, you act like I, like I, I dragged you kicking and screaming into a dark alleyway or something. And then I, I, I took advantage of you or something. All I did, Gabby Cadlubeck, all I did was take you to a movie and put my arm around you. And how could you? How could you? How could you ruin a perfectly good movie like that? I mean, it was Super Titan Odyssey 2. You know I was really looking forward to that. Ever since they, they ended the last one like that. And then made us wait three years for the next one. Three years I waited. Three years. And then, and then, you just ruin it. I mean, we were stuck inside that cinema for two more hours. Two more hours. That was not a short movie, Eddie. Two hours of just sitting there, stewing in. In what you'd done. You didn't think. You didn't even consider that before you... Before you... No! No, of course I didn't consider that. I thought... I thought you liked me. A man doesn't think, Oh, I'm in a date with a woman who is acting like she likes me. Gee, I better provide her with a really nice escape route so when she suddenly, out of nowhere, decides I'm a hideous, disgusting creep, she can run away! You just... You just... You gave me no warning, Eddie. You gave me no warning. Really? No warning? Really? I asked you to a movie. You said yes. I thought, I assumed, as friends. You were my friend. I thought we were going as friends. I didn't know you'd asked me on a date. How was I meant? You didn't know I'd asked you on a date. No, I didn't know. How could I know? Read the text messages. What? Read? Our text messages. Gabby faltered. Her hands moved awkwardly. Then she got control of them as she took out her phone. Eddie watched her eyes as they flicked back and forth, looking over their recent past. She locked her phone and she put it back into her pocket. She looked at Eddie. She obviously didn't know what to say. Eddie chose not to help her. Okay, she said. Okay. So it was obvious you were... You were asking me out on a date. I just didn't... I guess I was just too stupid to realise it. No. No. You see? This, said Eddie. This, right here. This is what I don't get. You, you're the one. You're the one who started acting like we were more than friends. You're the one who confused me. You're the one who confused me about how you felt about me. That's the, that's the only reason any of this has happened. Because you, you were all, and I, I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't want to reject you. I didn't want to, I would have done. Eddie shrugged. Now, now it's all turned around. It's all gone backwards. It's... Eddie shrugged again. 
They stood in silence. I'm sorry, Eddie, Gabby said. I I didn't realize you were reading things like that. Well, how else was I meant to be reading them? You were... You were the one looking at me. You were the one flirting with me. You were the one trying to get my attention. You were the one who was always... Was always... Up against me. I mean... How was I... How was I meant to be reading all of that? As friendship. I was just acting with you the way I do with all my friends. Gabby let out a long, exasperated sigh, and then she spoke to the weird ceiling above her. Why are men all the same? It's always the woman's fault. We are always the one who is leading the man on, when all we ever do is try to just be human beings with one another, try to just... just be friends. Eddie did not have an answer for this question. The two of them stood in silence, in this little, weird-shaped gallery, in a pocket in a museum. All of a sudden, Eddie took out his phone. He looked at the time. He walked over to the balcony and looked down at the event below. The event planners had not started getting into action yet. Eddie looked back at Gabby. She was watching him expectantly, waiting to see if he would signal that it was time they were heading back. He signalled that it was not. And then he leant on the balcony railing, looking down at the crowd that was growing below, and at all of their friends among them. All of them were still gathered where Gabby had left them. Eddie's jacket hung alone upon the back of his chair. This is so stupid, he said. What's that? Gabby was still in the pocket, biting her nails. I said, Eddie repeated as he walked back over to join her once again. I said... This is so stupid. I mean, I mean, when you boil it all down, all that happened was that we, that we just misunderstood each other. That's all. We just misunderstood each other. And, and if this were about anything else, like, like, if I misunderstood that that I don't know that you like mustard when you really like sauce then then it would all just get cleared up in an instant I just I don't know I buy you another hot dog or something I don't know you know one with sauce instead of mustard is that really all this was from a few paces away Gabby looked at Eddie's eyes seeking the truth was this all really just a misunderstanding Eddie looked back into Gabby's eyes, one by one, left, right, left. I don't know, he said. He took a step closer, then he raised his arms above his head. He placed his hands upon the strange little landing ceiling above him, and he held himself there, his arms raised high above him, like the cover of a magazine, and he said, You tell me. Gabby examined Eddie, standing how he was, close to her, with his arms raised in a pose. His body was stretched, his armpits were stretched, and then she... She looked at the floor, and then she... She nodded to herself, and then she... She said, I'm sorry that I accidentally made you think I was interested in you. 
Eddie shifted his weight back onto his feet and lowered his arms. Eventually, Eddie said, And I'm sorry that I accidentally ruined Super Titan Odyssey 2 for you. Cabby laughed, and then she said, We're both just a couple of idiots, aren't we? We sure are, Eddie also laughed. And, hey, maybe I can make it up to you sometime. I could take you to see it again, only, well... I don't want to spoil the ending of it or anything for you, but just so you know, this time, this time, the idiot boy doesn't try to put his arm around the idiot girl. Gabby laughed. Okay, she said. I'd like that. Eddie indicated towards the event with a nod of his head, and then the two of them began walking back. As they were descending the escalators once more, Eddie performed a yawn. He really hammed it up, overacting it, yawning loudly, swinging his arms wide. Then... He lowered one of his arms until it was around Gabby's shoulders. Gabby was startled, shocked, confused. What was happening? What should she do? It was happening all over again. Just as friends, said Eddie. Just as friends. Gabby realized what was happening was fine, and she relaxed. She smiled. Okay, she said, and she raised her hand to take his, holding his hand at her shoulder. She leant her head towards him, and he reciprocated, placing his bald head against her tightly bound blonde hair. This was how they walked back into the function centre, letting everyone know that their war was over. There was a great feeling of release as the two of them joined the group of friends. Everyone was happy, laughing, and more than just a little bit relieved. Max, carefully and sheepishly made his way around the group until he was standing next to Eddie. Eddie gave Max a very stern and unimpressed look. Max looked at Eddie with his most innocently mischievous eyes and said, I, uh, I hope this doesn't mean you want your hair waxed back. Eddie laughed and he jostled Max playfully. The rest of the evening flew by. The next morning... Eddie was standing in a queue. It was lined up all the way out of the coffee shop, back so far that Eddie was standing beneath the white umbrellas. The fake ferns were hanging around his head. The fake vines were coiled around their poles. The white rocks were in their white pots next to their white round tables covered with little round holes. The queue looked like it was going to take a while. Eddie drew his phone out of his pocket and he opened his internet browser. There, sitting upon his screen, was an advertisement. The heading of this ad read, Manly Seduction, the complete package. Eddie continued reading. This complete seduction package contains one novelty G-string, perfect for breaking that cold bedroom ice with naughty, ticklish laughter. One medium tub of handsome man hair wax, deluxe hair wax that gives you an extra smooth lift. One central scented candle, vanilla and sandalwood with a romantic red glow to put her in the mood. And one stick of magic love deodorant, scientifically proven formula that will make the woman that your heart aches for fall madly, deeply in love with you in just one breath. 
We, with all of this, we 100% guarantee that for the woman of your dreams, you will become the man of hers. If you've been waiting in the friend zone for far too long, then wait no longer. With the Manly Seduction, the complete package, and it's only $199.97 plus shipping. Eddie finished reading the ad. Then he went into his browser menu and hit close tab and sent his browser back to his home screen. Then he went back into his browser menu once more. This time he hit clear browser history and then he sent his browser back to his home screen once again. Then he locked his phone and dropped it into his pocket. He looked at the cafe's menu board, but he was not reading any of the words. Suddenly, a hand was placed gently upon Eddie's arm. Eddie looked at the hand resting upon his arm. The fingers were small and rounded and soft. Eddie looked up into her eyes. Hello, said Arnika. You get your coffee at Sal too. Yeah said Eddie. That's great, said Arnika. Oh, here. She rummaged through her things, and then she drew out an object, holding it tightly in her hand. Here, she said, and she held it out to Eddie. It was a penguin. She said, thanks for that. I copied it all to my laptop last night. I'll give it a read as soon as I can. Eddie took the penguin put it into his pocket. Would it be okay, said Arnika, if I join you in the queue? Yeah, said Eddie. Thanks, said Arnika. Or maybe I shouldn't, she added. You just watch. We'll wait here forever. We'll wait and we'll wait. And as soon as we get to the front of the queue, she'll suddenly think of something else she has to do, and then she'll just vanish. Yeah, said Eddie. Actually, said Arnika, I'm really glad you're here this morning. I've already had a bit of a rough day. I don't really want to talk about it. It's just ex-boyfriend stuff. Sometimes it's better to not have to talk, not have to think, not have to explain everything constantly. Sometimes, sometimes all you need is just, just a friend. And this morning, this morning, I could really use a friend. Yeah, said Eddie, and he lifted his head. Me too. If you're interested in hearing more, or if you want to own a copy of the story, please visit andymerrigan.wordpress.com. Good night.